0: Money FM 89.3, best of the evening runway. Regional Roundup.
1: Morning FM, 89.3. It's Ali Danka and Timothy Goh now turning our attention to news reports that say official sources are saying that former Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak's jail term is going to be halved from 12 to 6 years. This Johor's Sultan Ibrahim Iskandar taking over the reins as the country Mm. agong all uh, in that same timeline.
2: Well, to give us an analysis of what's happening to our neighbors up north, Nicholas Fang, Managing Director at Black Dot and Director for Security and Global Affairs, Singapore Institute of International Affairs joining us on the phones
0: right now. Hello, sir. How are you? Gentlemen, good to speak with you. Doing very well. Exciting day today.
1: Indeed. And I'm sure you've been tracking this story. I've seen some uh, correspondent text messages between you and our producer. So it's still sources saying this. What do we
0: know so far? Is this like a partial royal Pardon? uh yeah so as you guys mentioned in the news report it's still not officially confirmed by anyone Uh, we are expecting a statement from the pardons board at some point But the news that has been leaking out does indicate that former Prime Minister Najib is getting a 50% discount on his (laughs) jail term and potentially even a reduction of his fine for the offences that he was found guilty of. The fine was originally at 210 million ringgit or about 44.4 million US dollars, but reduced to what we still don't know as well. Mm-hmm. Now, this is all obviously quite big news. The Pardons Board uh, reportedly met on Monday mm-hmm. and, of course, we'll speak about the new and the outgoing Agong of Malaysia, but it would have been one of the last things that he did, the outgoing Agong, right. in his role as the King of Malaysia, was to, to sort of oversee this pardon Board. So, interesting times indeed and I guess, of course, the key question is what happens next, if this is true. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, uh, what kind of an impact will this have on the prime minister's unity government, though, since Najib still has an influence in Umno.
0: Yeah, I think it's not just limited to the unity government. I think it throws the entire political chessboard in Malaysia into a bit of an upheaval. As you rightly say, I think the unity government, uh, of which the uh, UMNO organization uh, is part of, would definitely have feel some of the aftershocks if Najib is indeed given any form of pardon. Mr. Najib's influence in UMNO, an organization of which he was formerly president, is you know likely to be significant his uh, influence and popularity, especially among the Malay uh, ground in Malaysia, still very, very strong. So, you know, the question would be, what happens next? Would Mr. Najib seek uh, a return to politics? It's worthwhile mentioning that his pardon, if it goes to uh, uh, from 12 to 6 years, could he see him being released at the very earliest in about 2026 on parole, when he serves mm-hmm. about two-thirds of the six-year term? So that's still a few years away now uh, two of Mr. Najibs sons are involved in politics in Malaysia mm. so could it be something that he tries to work on rather than being involved himself that's one question mark but of course you know what it means for the, the unity government what happens I don't know what happens to the opposition uh, all these are questions that all have to be asked I'm not sure if we'll have an answer anytime soon and if we know the next uh, general election scheduled in Malaysia for 2027, um, that actually doesn't give Mr. Najib a lot of time, should he be released in 2026, to get involved again. But I think one thing we cannot discount is his popularity on the ground and for sure his influence, which observers say even though he's behind bars, you know, is still significant in Malaysia.
1: Mm. Uh, We just want to qualify again that uh, our conversation is semi-speculative as we are speaking in terms of the official source indicating that uh, the former Premier, Najib Razak might have his jail term half from 12 to six years, and this is according to official sources that have been reported in the news. Nick, if let's say let's say this is like my PR audition, right? And I were to say, I would I would try and spin this as a win-win. Is it a, a win-win that so he still has to serve time, yet at the same time it's not that much time in maybe in respect to his service as a leader. Or do you expect Mr Najib to fight to make sure that he doesn't have to serve time at all? I wonder how the
0: Malaysian population is going to react to this. Mm, That's true. That's a very good question. And, uh, you know, first of all, I think you need to recognise that pardons are are not uh, new. Uh, Mr Anwar himself received a pardon before his return and triumphant return to to politics in Malaysia. What a pardon actually means is that, you know, you're almost basically wiping out the entire... Charge and jail term as well. It goes, you know, to almost back to zero again, right? right, And and that allows you to enter politics and and carry on in any specific way. Mm. Of course, the more challenging situation scenario would be if Mr Najib had received a complete pardon and came out today, for example. Mm. I think there were broader international concerns over corruption transparency and good governance in the country would potentially have been affected hmm. so in a sense it is does look like a compromise type of solution he serves half the term right. and he comes out one year before the next elections are scheduled so you know potentially he could still play a role so it's almost maybe not win-win but it's like trying to keep everybody happy in a, still, in a certain sense still giving a pound of flesh in that sense Mm-hmm, that's for sure. Uh,
2: your thoughts on this, Nick. So in, in the world of politics, this kind of pardon me, I pardon you, I pardon me next time. <laughs> it's just a fact of life, right?
0: Uh, yeah, I don't want to take too cynical a view on this. You know, I think there have been some non-government organizations in Malaysia who have already, in response to this you know, sort of speculative news, demanded for the grounds of application for the pardon and also the case that was made by Mr. Najib's legal team in sort of appealing for a pardon. So they want transparency and some of the factors that they say should be, you know, put in place before a pardon is granted is A, to uh, admission of guilt by the guilty party and uh, the seeking of forgiveness from the public um, This is basically to, to reaffirm the legitimacy of the prosecution's efforts and the judiciary's decisions. And then where possible you know, the the, the guilty party should undertake acts of redemption to make amends, you know, making good, the losses, to the country that they can cause or whatever so they're asking whether these conditions have been met before um, you know sort of saying that the Malaysian people might potentially accept this, this particular decision but again you know as, as we sort of touched on Mr Najee remains very popular on the ground so really who knows uh, I, I just wouldn't want to be too cynical about and say <laughs> that it's a tit for tat or scratch me scratch my back scratch your back kind of situation
1: Alright then let's talk about kings now as we wave goodbye to Malaysia's outgoing king or Agong Sultan Abdullah Ahmad Shah appointed the 16th Malaysian King January 31st, 2019. Uh, Nick, your thoughts on his reign over the last five years. Quite a few challenges as well he's had to deal with.
0: Wow. Super number of challenges. You know, he's worked with four different prime ministers. He said he had to appoint three. You know, exercising a fairly rarely used royal power to appoint the, the prime minister. He's of course had to deal with COVID nineteen in his time. Uh, you know, and, and a few days ago he made a very sort of impassioned. Uh, he gave a very impassioned uh, interview that spanned a few hours. And you know, he asked Malaysians. To, you know, even though he may not be the king of Malaysia, he also said he would like to be the king of all their hearts. So mm-hmm. that sort of encapsulates the, the kind of monarch that he was. He was definitely for the people. It, it was known that, you know, he wasn't very big on formalities. He wanted to interact with people. Um, he had to make some tough decisions. And as we know, you know, Malaysia is a constitutional monarch. So he's not supposed to wield executive power. He's more viewed as a as a guardian of Islam in the country. And he takes a consultative role with uh, with the actual government. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he has had a... Has a huge impact. And one of the things I remember is that when COVID happened, mm. um, both he and his queen decided to forego their royal uh, emoluments, right? Basically their their, their pay okay. um, in tandem with the government, you know, the officials who said they are foregoing their pay as well to help the government uh, and help the people of Malaysia deal with COVID-19. So, you know, he's uh, he's, he's definitely been, a, I would say, a popular king, but uh, he's definitely faced some challenges in his time.
2: All right, Nick, let's uh... Uh, Turn our attention to uh, the incoming new uh, Sultan Ibrahim Iskandar of Johor. He will be, well, a younger uh, sultan and quite an outspoken man as well. How do you see his style being different?
0: Well, it's very interesting because even the outgoing king has sort of, Said you know to a certain extent that he would like the the monarch to play a, a maybe a more active role in contributing to the to the country. Mm-hmm. Sultan also Sultan Abdullah, the outgoing king, uh, actually had close relations with royalties and leaders worldwide, so he actually helped strengthen Malaysia's diplomatic relations we know the new king has similar sort of tendencies as well he's very close to Singapore for example very close to and he has business dealings that have given him exposure to, to other countries as well but both the monarchs the outgoing and incoming one have also said that they want the to see political stability and that is something that will definitely um, help Malaysia you know, become more competitive and, and a stronger country. So whether that is an indication that they will start taking some tougher lines when it comes into when it comes to this notion of uh, putting to rest all the political infighting and stuff like that, it will be interesting to keep an eye on uh, whether or not they have that impact. I mean, we were just talking about the, the political machinations in, in Malaysia. It might be challenging, you know, to a certain extent, to for the king to even do that, but. I think we will definitely see a more active uh,
1: monarchy in that sense. Just to, to, to touch on that a little bit, Nick. I mean, Sultan Ibrahim has made it clear he will not be a puppet king. But realistically, I mean, right from the start... I know he wants to do things, but just how far will or just how far can he actually take it uh, in Malaysia's constitutional monarchy system? Would that system Mm -hmm. even allow him to do anything?
0: Yeah, so so the, the, the constitutional monarchy basically places the king technically above politics. Right. So when he has regular consultations, which past kings have had with the cabinet, when he speaks to uh, politicians on both sides of the aisle—the incumbents as well as the opposition—technically all these meetings have to be confidential. They have to be behind the scenes. He's not allowed to talk uh, technically about what was discussed. So really keeping politics out of it, but you know, providing the guidance, wisdom, and advice as a monarch uh, with the interests of Malaysia at heart. Um, so it's it's, a, it's it's never been particularly clear um, what kind of direct impact uh, King can have. But uh, if we just you know look this back to what we started talking about the uh, the pardon board that, that set, uh, oversaw Mr. Najib's appeal, yeah, um, yeah. technically, that's also under the purview of the King. Uh, and we know that the previous Sultan the Sultan of Pahang was now the Sultan of Pahang okay. uh, he and Najib have actually very close relations they, they, they grew up um, Mr. Najib is from Pahang um, and to a certain extent you know whether that actually impacted the decision of the Sport and consequently what's going to happen in Malaysian politics there it's a sign that the king actually can have some impact so um, you know we, we, we're going to be it's going to be interesting to see how this new king uh, steps into the role and, and potentially tries to shake it as well.
1: All right. Uh, and I'm sure that we will be discussing more of the issues with you as we go along. We've been speaking with Nicholas Fang, Managing Director, Black Dot, and Director for Security and Global Affairs, Singapore Institute of International Affairs. As always, Nicholas, thank you so much for your time.
0: Thank you, guys. Take care. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.